I'd like to invite you along the Camino with me. I'm Holly Brock, and welcome to the playful ponderings of my particular pilgrimage along the Camino de Santiago. Witnessing this tradition of transhumanicia, which is the title of the story, was such a gift. I personally have not been around many sheep, but watching them, I can see why Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd, because if we are anything like these sheep I saw, we need him, and he wants us. Now, transhumanicia. Have you ever heard someone say, it's a small world? It is fascinating that we can feel that. Our world is not small. One small human on the face of this world is so small. And if you have tried to traverse a chunk of it, say, just for example, that you walked the Camino de Santiago across the top portion of the Iberian Peninsula, at a sustainable pace, it takes six weeks. Not sure that strikes you, but now look at it on a globe. Now you see what a tiny bit of the whole world the Iberian Peninsula's landmass truly is. And just to be fair, walking this path creates a very long but very thin area, just about a three-foot-wide swath across northern Spain, like a shakily drawn line of latitude, like drawing one line of crayon on a circle in a coloring book. Many more lines are required to color in that whole shape. How many of those three-foot swaths of parallel journeys would have to be placed together for a true crossing of the entirety of Spain? Mathematically, could a person even do that in a lifetime? How long would it take to fill in the whole world? Is it a small world? And wait, we are still only talking in two-dimensional terms of length and width, like coloring on a flat paper. We are only scratching the surface of this magnificent oblate spheroid how can we say this is a small world? And now, dear readers, buckle your seatbelts because there is a fourth dimension. In the time taken to color the whole surface of the earth using my body as a virtual crayon, guess what? So much changes. Seasons change. A building is built. A storm changes the shoreline. A quarry is blasted out. A glacier melts. Not to mention people being born, dying, moving. Echoing Heraclitus, who said that you can't step into the same river twice, I say you can't walk across the same world twice. So even if one could color in the entire surface by walking, could one really say that they had seen the whole world? Yet time, it turns out, is the very reason we say it's a small world. The fourth dimension is the X factor because it is by the very experience of time passing that the world can seem small not in terms of distance, but in terms of experience. When we meet someone who has lived in our neighborhood and say, it's a small world, it's not because so many people were actually living across the street from you as you grew up, but because over time, many people have lived across the street from where you grew up. What makes the world small is not always that we find ourselves together in space, but that over time, our spaces have overlapped. 
Now, why have I gone down this rabbit trail? Because I'm thinking back on this day where I almost missed the X factor of time in a particular place. It would have been so easy just to keep walking over the long raised walkway in and on through the town of Hospital del Orbigo. What made me pause? The irresistible presence of half a dozen little pups being taken on a walk by a local resident. I saw those pups. I took off my pack and sat down to let them climb up onto my lap. We often think that it is unconditional love that pets give us that is the biggest blessing they offer, but I think an equal gift is their capacity to unconditionally receive our love. The wise man who said it is better to give than receive understood this well. We aren't just empty vessels always needing to be filled. We are also full and hoping to give. It's a beautiful way of symbiosis. And these puppies had every bit as much affection to give me as I did them. Soon the pack of pups moved on, and I remained there as the sun came up and shined on my face. Does the sun feel the same when we receive her warmth? Does a flower feel that when we are enriched by its beauty? The faint baa of a sheep registered, breaking my ponderous state. Steadily, the sound of bells and baths were multiplying and coming closer, creating enough commotion now to draw the attention of everyone nearby. Around the bend came a couple of sheep, and then a few more, and then a whole herd coming right down the main road. I hopped up and into a little nook so as not to be stepped on. A parade of hundreds of sheep jostling and trotting and bumping and baying. A couple of locals came to their stoops and calmly observed the parade of sheep, not seeming surprised at all as their town was being overrun by sheep. The procession continued. A few minutes later, the last of the sheep passed by, and the sights and sounds of that woolly throng disappeared. Where were they going? I shook my head and squeezed my eyes shut, wondering if this had really just happened. It was not my eyes or my ears that could now confirm that it had indeed just happened, my nose was the key as the only evidence that the massive herd had been there was the particular smell that remained. I found out later that this is an annual tradition called Transhumanacea, where local shepherds bring their flocks through the main street of these rural towns. What a treat to have witnessed it. After a lovely coffee at a cafe with a view out over what looked like a jousting field, I shouldered my pack and carried on and out of the town. As the minutes turned into miles, the phrase, it's a small world, kept coming to mind. I could have kept my normal pace and walked right on through that town, but because I had stopped to play with those little pups and stayed to feel the sun on my face, I got to experience the sheep. And there was that X factor again, time. Every bit as much as space. It has the ability to connect and also to keep separate. I looked around me and wondered what had happened here yesterday that I would never know about and what would happen tomorrow as I'm traveling further and further away. Then I stopped in my tracks, a thought hitting me like a ton of bricks. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. I had been so delighted with the sheep that I had not looked closely at the shepherd. What if? I had a strong inclination to turn on my heels and run, run back, that is, to the town to find the sheep because then I could find the shepherd. What was happening right now back in Hospital del Orbigo? Could Jesus be in a nearby field there? Ah, oh, how my heart yearned to be with him. 
But I had traveled miles, and even if I ran back, that moment of Jesus being findable there could have passed, and I would never even know if it it had been as I was imagining. I did not return, but I did make a plan. I stopped and stayed the night in the next available albergue, even though I had not covered the miles that I had planned to that day. I carried on with the typical routine, settling in, showering, washing clothes, dinner, conversation, reading. The routine was exactly the same with the addition of one very important prayer, I said, as I was hanging my clothes out to dry. God, I will not leave tomorrow until all of these clothes are completely dry, even my socks. Many days, every item of washed clothing was dry by breakfast, except for socks. It was a regular sight to see pilgrims walking with socks hanging out of their packs, as they were the only items still damp. So my prayer was a very strategic part of my plan. I was using one of the oldest tricks in the book. Well, tricks and book aren't exactly the right words. I'm referring to the story in the Bible, Judges 6, where Gideon humbly asked God for a sign to direct him. Gideon placed a fleece of freshly sheared wool outside on the ground. The first night he asked that if the fleece was the only thing wet and not the surrounding ground, then he would know that he had heard God correctly. The second night he asked for the opposite, that the fleece remained dry and the surrounding ground would be wet. Both came true and Gideon carried on in great faith and the Lord accomplished some pretty wild things through him. If you're up for an amazing story, read Judges 6 through 8, or all of Judges, or really the whole Bible. So I figured my request was worth a try, considering it too involved wool, as in wool socks, and moisture levels. What I was really asking for was a sign as to how long I should remain here tomorrow before setting out for the day. I figured that if I stayed long enough, some of the pilgrims who had stayed the night in Hospital del Orbigo would be passing where I was sometime in the morning, and I could ask them if they had seen anything unusual. But I couldn't waste a whole day waiting. I needed a sign. The next morning, I woke and ran to the clothesline and checked my clothes. Shirt, dry. Shorts and underwear, dry. Socks, quite damp. I took my time eating breakfast and sipping coffee and watching the last of the pilgrims from the previous night move on west. Another hour went by and my socks were still damp. I perched barefoot right by the road, not wanting to miss anything. And sure enough, soon the first of the new pilgrims began coming from the east toward the town. Time to check my socks again. I ran back to the clothesline to find it empty. My socks were gone. No! Not only was my plan foiled, but dang it, I needed those socks. I looked all around inside the albergue, but could find no one, so I went back to where I'd left my pack. Laying on top just so was my bone-dry pair of wool socks. I still don't know who placed them there, but I did know that it was time to go. I quickly put them on and laced my boots. I looked up and down the path. The trick now was deciding if I should walk at a quick clip to catch up with a group disappearing around a corner up ahead or wait for the couple that was approaching in the distance. The Lord is never in a hurry, I decided, and started walking very slowly. Soon the couple was close enough that I could hear their voices and then right on miraculous cue, I heard them say the word sheep. The sudden, happy little yip and excited hops that erupted from me stopped the couple in their tracks. 
With a little twirl, I asked if I could join them. I deflected the normal questions of introduction and asked if they would continue talking about sheep. They looked at each other and started from the beginning. Last night in the wee hours, we heard a soft bat from inside our, our albergue. A few others awoke and we went in search of the sound. Soon to our joy, we discovered a young sheep licking some pooled water in one of the showers. We coaxed the little sheep into the common area with some pieces of apple and wondered how that little sheep could have gotten there. The consensus was that it had wandered in through an open door sometime that day and managed not to be noticed until the commotion settled. But where could it have come from? I had the piece of the puzzle they needed and I described the transhumanacea parade that I had witnessed yesterday and felt sure that in the hubbub of the procession, one of the smaller sheep toward the edge of the herd had been bustled right through the albergue's front door. But then what happened? I asked expectantly. They looked at each other again and smiled. We sat there for quite a while, calming the sheep and trying to figure out what to do. Eventually the sheep fell asleep and we decided we would sleep there with it and figure out what to do in the morning. At some point in the night, the sheep suddenly jumped up, startling us all. It began baying urgently. We thought at first that the sheep had just woken up in a strange place and was scared. We tried to soothe it back to sleep, but it kept baying and looking around like it was expecting something. A few minutes later, we heard a gentle knock on the front door. The sheep bolted immediately toward it, and we scrambled after it. That sheep said stood so still by that door, listening and waiting. There was a second knock, and I opened the door slightly so as not to let the sheep escape, but the sheep would have nothing of it and pushed past me and through the door. Now the door was flung open, and through the dark we tried to make out the scene on the street in front of us. We heard laughing and bang, and as our eyes adjusted, we saw a man squatting down and the lamb scampering around him. Then the lamb was so excited that it actually knocked him over. He stretched out his arms and the lamb leapt into them. The laughing and bowing sounded like two friends sharing a great story. The shepherd kept trying to rub behind the lamb's ears and the lamb kept trying to lick the man's hand. We couldn't seem to take our eyes off of them. Time seemed to stand still. Finally, the shepherd stood, the lamb still in his arms and still trying to lick him. He turned to us, smiled, and thanked us for caring for his sheep. And just like that, he went whistling off into the night. It was then that we realized we were all weeping. Wait, I asked, were you sad? Why were you crying? They stopped walking, looked at each other again, and then said, for the sheer joy of it, the joy of the sheep when it was found, but maybe more because of the sheer joy of the shepherd being reunited with his sheep. I was right. Jesus had been there. <laughs>